Hey there, I'm Jody, and you're listening to the Empathy Talks podcast brought to you by Circle In. If you care about caring, then this podcast is for you. We're talking to well-known CEOs and executives to find out what empathetic leadership really looks like, what it means to them, and how they're creating an empathetic culture. We'll unpack why empathy is a critical leadership skill and why having it in life and in business is more important than ever. So let's get into it and unearth why empathy is so much more than a buzzword. Circling acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we're recording this podcast, the Wadawurrung people, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. So in line with Pride Month, we wanted to welcome someone very special to Empathy Talks. So today we're joined by Albert Kruger, the CEO at Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras. And I can promise you that you are in for an absolute treat. Albert will share with us what empathetic leadership means to him, uh, his views on how organisations can move beyond rainbow washing, and specifically what he thinks organisations can do to really step up when it comes to empathy towards their LGBTQI plus employees. So with that, I'd love to welcome Albert. Uh, to the Empathy Talks podcast. Sit back and enjoy and let's get an insight into what empathy means to Albert. Albert, it's great to have you here on Empathy Talks and thanks for joining us. I'd love to kick off with you telling us about what empathetic leadership means to you. Thanks very much for having me. Um, I think in today's times, especially uh, off the back of COVID and um, you know, the needs of employees specifically have changed over the last three years, and we've seen that more broadly, not only here in Australia, but globally. And an empathetic leader really is someone who takes the time to listen to the needs of the staff and understanding that, you know, circumstances have changed significantly over the last few, few years and um, listening to it and understanding and then really working together with the individual needs of the staff and, and your team to, you know, give them the best possible opportunity to do well at what they do um, and to support them through, you know, the life changes, specifically those with young families. Um, we've seen so much change and really understanding and, and listening and hearing them and giving them the best possible support to do what they need to do well, because that way we know we have a productive team, a supportive one and a really positive and motivated one too. Yeah, no, you're spot on. Um, I love that. And, you know, I'd love to dive in. We recently held a webinar ahead of Pride Month, which is obviously coming up. And we asked our panel to share their insights on how organisations can move beyond, you know, what's called rainbow washing to really deliver meaningful and sustainable change for specifically their LGBTQIA plus employees. We asked our panellists what they considered to be a red flag, you know, something that's really heading towards rainbow washing, and then a green flag, you know, action that's heading towards authentic inclusion. I'd love to hear, you know, what does a red and a green flag look like for you? <laughs> that's, a, that's a great question. Um, so a red flag for me is um, if a corporate organisation out there goes into, um, you know, Pride Month or, or Mardi Gras season and uh, they take the rainbow flag and they dress it all over their brand to make the most money they possibly can in that time when everybody's celebrating something that, um, you know, the community has a reason to celebrate. And, and you know, we've come such a, such a long way for equality just here in Australia. A red flag for me is when the season is over 
and all of that has been removed and it's business as usual and there isn't a true diversity and inclusion policy or even an ethical value proposition within the organization after the season has gone. So, you know, they don't necessarily live and breathe those values outside of season. And I see that's probably one of the biggest things that we look at with our partners is understanding what are you doing outside of season to continue on creating that safe space for our community to work within the organization before you, you know, publicly say that you're doing something, are the foundations in your organization in place? So that's, yeah. that's a red flag. For sure. And, oh, absolutely. And thank you for sharing that. And, you know, it's not dissimilar to us at Circle And if we have an employer come to us and want to support their caregivers, but then we find out they're doing it as a tick-the-box exercise to achieve yeah, a citation right. or as a proof point externally, we'll walk away because we want to actually work with companies that genuinely want to drive change right. and do the right thing. So, um, you know, I think we, we share a very similar view there. I'd love, you know, have you got a view on what workplaces can do to really step up? When it shows, when it comes to leading with more empathy, specifically towards their LGBTQI plus employees. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it's really worth noting from a context and background point of view. We saw that in COVID, our community specifically, the suicide rates went up something like two hundred percent because community members felt isolated, uh, they couldn't be authentically themselves in their home environments necessarily, or they couldn't connect you know, face-to-face with their chosen family because we we're all so far removed from each other. And so realistically, what it, what it really meant was, you know, how does an organization support someone in that specific role, right? And it boils down to an organization having to truly understand that number one, a diverse workforce is a really productive one, and also creating a safe space for people to bring their authentic selves to work. We saw with the Diversity Council um, report just recently been done a few, few months ago now, only 33% of our community workforce feel really comfortable bringing their authentic selves to work. So an organization's responsibility is to create those safe spaces. And there are a number of ways that a corporate can do that um, in a meaningful and authentic way, because that's realistically what we're seeing today as well with social media and access to so much information, that if you aren't living and breathing these values, people will see right through it. And it's more of a detractor rather than, you know, a relevant incentive to to stay in in an organization. Um, And we've seen stuff such as, you know, really great pride committees working um, very, very well. And then it also boils down to really great inclusive policies. Um, you know, our, our community have different um, expectations and different needs in, in, in life more generally. Um, and, and I think it's, it's important for a corporate to just take some time to understand what those needs really are and why they are different. So same-sex parents, for example, new parents, rainbow families, you know, parental rights, you know, maternal leave, paternal leave, you know, all of these things. Um, Melbourne trains did a really very interesting inclusive uniform um, um, policy, which was fantastic as well, so that people didn't have to choose between gender when it came to the uniform that they wear every day to work. So there are a number of ways that an organization can do this, and, and the reality is that no one policy fits all, right? And that's, that's something that um, is... Um, a point that I want to put across very, you know, very sternly is that you can't think that if you go to another organization, take their policies, copy, paste it, and insert it into your organization, it's actually going to work. 
You have to consult, you know, listen, have town halls, you know, and really understand that the needs for your organization will not be the same for any other organization. And, and that means, you know, specifically if you look at for, um, the construction industry to mining industry to retail industry to all of the different industries that we, you know, find ourselves working in, different policies and different procedures would be applicable to your unique situation. And it takes time and effort and investment from the organization to truly understand what the needs are for that community in that organization and then rising to the occasion empathetically and authentically to you know give them what they need because in in the long run that's what will make them safe. Oh, it, you've just summarized that beautifully. And I think to me, what really stood out is that role of listening that organizations need to play. And one of the things that we're hearing from all of our customers, and actually, in fact, a lot of teams is a key priority looking ahead into the next, you know, 12, 24 months, is that need to create psychological safe workplaces. And that, you know, you spoke about that people want that sense of belonging, inclusion, but it's now a step further. They want to feel like they're trusted, that they can speak up and not be reprimanded, you know, feel like they're in a safe environment. So I'm incredibly excited by some of the conversations we're having with companies and how serious they're taking that. So it's great to hear. And, you know, you made a lot of great points in there. I'd love to touch on now intersectionality and the role that an empathetic workplace can play in making sure all their employees feel that sense of belonging. Can you share any thoughts on this? I think, um, you know, what we've, we've seen, it, it's so funny. I mean, I've been in and around, um, you know, this space for quite some time now. And what, what, what's become very, very evident now is from an interview process, the candidates are interviewing the employers as much as the employers are interviewing the candidates, right? And it's also, again, boils down to the values of the organization. I always say that, you know, you employ a person at the beginning of the stage and you have to really make sure that the company's culture is very, very clear and, and concise so that people know what they're signing up to, right? And this starts from the top down. And we've seen a few very good examples of CEOs being put into positions and then a few months later they're out because the values alignment of the, of the CEO doesn't actually align with the organization. So it starts with the recruitment process and understanding that there is a value proposition here that people want to buy into and they want to believe in it. They don't just want to go to work anymore to just go and work, do it, you know, earn their salary and go home. They want to go to work with a sense of purpose. They want to buy into the organization's values and they truly want to believe in what that organization does. And again, it's applicable across all market segments and, and all um, industries. And so really what that does mean is that if an organization knows why they exist, who they exist for, who they're serving and how they're doing it with a really good ethical and authentic way, that really creates the empathetic environment because the values alignment is already in place. And it's not a difficult way to communicate that because of course, if I know why I'm in my job, I know why I'm here, I know who I'm serving, it's not really hard for me to understand when my coworker is in the same position we can really empathetically talk and have an open conversation about, hey, we could do this better or we, we're not doing this well enough. And so that's, that's, in my opinion, that's really where it boils down to is that values alignment and us all buying into a broader, bigger scheme um, and giving that central ethos of why we exist and why we're doing what we do. Because corporates, 
can't do that anymore. Right? And this is it. I mean, I've seen so many of the, of the big four firms. I remember in the earlier days, all the students would come out and they'd have to go into their article season. And then, you know, all the big all corporates would be like, okay, so why are we going to employ you? The conversation's turned around now and it's like, why should I come and work for you? Why, why, am, I, why am I buying into this organization? And so there's so many aspects to this, like sustainability, you know, how are we giving back? You know, are we ethically running an organization? Is this just a profit machine? You know, and those are the kind of conversations that people are having. Um, and that the only way for corporate to get over that is to be empathetic and, as I said, listening, understanding, and really being able to create that safe environment for them to say, all right, I can come into this organization and make a real difference, and I'm going to be heard. Yeah, the power definitely has shifted, and we've been talking about this a lot, how the power is now in the hands of the employees. And you're right, like they're, they're taking interviews you know, very differently in terms of their interviewing the employer for all of yeah. the things that you've just stated. Um, and I think that's great. You know, they have a right to do that. You know, yeah. work is our life. And you want to make sure that you're spending 70% of your time working for an organisation that aligns to your values. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, at Mardi Gras, I, I love your ethos of every event should be fun to attend, but it always serves a higher purpose. This really resonates with me personally, especially given purpose is core to, you know, what we do at Circling. Can you talk to this and the role that empathy plays in this for you in, in your organisation? Yeah, I think um, it's it's so um, apt that, you know, we actually released a um, we were in conjunction and partnership with Deloitte, we released a party with purpose a report this year around, you know, yes, when people look from the outside into Mardi Gras, they always see the glitter, the biodegradable glitter that is. <laughs> um, they see the glitter and they see the shine and they see the parties and they see, um, you know, all of that from the outside. But, you know, the one question we always pose is why? Why are we attending these events? If it was to the Human Rights Conference or if it was at the parade or if, even if it was at an after party, a party, it's why are we attending it? Why is this such a significant time, um, you know, in our calendar? And it is, yes, to celebrate the amazing wins that we've had to date. But what it also is doing is shining a light on one of them, you know, our region where the most egregious crimes against our community are being, you know, are still still happening, you know. Um, and so from an empathetic point of view, yes, we are hosting an amazing event, but it's also taking the time to understand right here on our doorstep, you know, our members of our community are still facing huge pushback, huge discrimination, um, and how can we stand with our community and support then through whichever channels we choose to um, to help them make their lives better and that's that's the real that's the real message here you know um, it's not just about marching up the up the, um, the, the um, Oxford Street it's more about who's marching up Oxford Street and why are they marching up Oxford Street and what do they stand for because there are amazing community groups in this parade for a specific reason they're here to get their message across that hey there's still a lot of people out there that don't have the same rights that we enjoy just here in Australia. And sometimes not even further than 50 kilometers, you know, anywhere, any direction from Sydney, there are still areas that people face serious discrimination. Um, and so from an empathetic point of view, Mardi Gras has that message. It's the message of we've got it good here in the little bubble. 
but we cannot forget that there are so many people that don't have it as good as we do. Yeah, well said. And, um, yeah, it certainly made me think about the role we all play in that. And I think you, you're all doing an incredible job. We we love what you stand for, the purpose, um, and thank you for everything you do. I'd love to end with one final question, and that is, you know, to anyone listening, whether they're a company, a HR leader, what's your one piece of advice or what's one thing that you'd love them to really think about um, and what they're doing for the community in their organisation? I think if, if um, the one thing that I would I would personally like to see, I always make a, a comment and, and people always say to me, what's your vision for Mardi Gras? And it's a very controversial one and it is, I, I wish that in the next 20 years there is no need for a Mardi Gras and that we've truly reached a point of equality, you know, where everyone can just be who they are and their authentic selves and not have to fear that someone is going to discriminate against them because of who they love. So from an HR point of view or from a corporate point of view, I think there are little baby steps that every single organization can do. And that is to go out into your workforce, listen, seek, ask questions, see what the needs are of these people and try and make their every day in your organization a happy one, authentic one and a safe one. And that's really all it is. It's, it doesn't matter um, how big or small, but every small step to creating those safe spaces within your organization is a greater space for the broader community. And this is not just based on LGBTQIA plus people. It's a base against gender disparity. It's against First Nations. It's against all those aspects that really all feed into diversity and inclusion. Because realistically, all we're, all we're striving for is equality. And so if you as an organization can just stamp out, you know, the, the gender pay gap, for example, is a great way as well. There's so many things that we can do, small things, just to create equality and truly give everyone a fair go. You're doing well and doing better than most. Yeah, you've made it sound so simple, but you're right, baby steps. I always say, you know, we always have big visions and, you know, you and I share a lot actually because I always say that the vision for Circle In is that in 20 years we don't exist either. I'd love to see a world where we don't have to give support to caregivers or managers and tell them how they can balance both in that it's it's natural flexibility yeah. you know we embrace caregivers for who they are um so we, we share a lot but i think you know for anyone listening please know that it's taking baby steps you don't have to achieve everything you know in the first year so long as you're taking steps forward and doing something to drive change you know you're helping every community and all of us so I, I thank you for being part of Empathy Talks. It was a fantastic conversation. And from us to you, thank you for everything that you do for the community. And, and we're here standing beside you um, and supporting you every step of the way. So thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And back at you, with, if you ever need anything, Mardi Gras is always here to serve the community in any way we can. Oh, we look forward to it. Thanks, Albert. Thank you.